Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that needs some help cleaning up its image. My name's Corey Hazelhurst and my partner in propaganda is Steve Haynes. Hey, Corey. This week we're talking about sports washing. Now, sports washing is a new word which uh, refers to how a country might invest in sports to try and promote its reputation globally. It's a new word with a long history, which we're going to talk about. Steve, you wanted to talk about sports washing isn't because of the Qatar World Cup, which was a famous global f- football tournament watched by billions of people. It wasn't the golf tournament that Saudi Arabia did that caused a lot of kerfuffle in the media. It wasn't even the long history of sports washing, which goes back to Nazi Germany hosting the Benin Olympics, to Mussolini's Italy hosting the World Cup, the Argentine Hunter also hosting the Football World Cup in 1978, or China hosting Olympics in 2008 or the Winter Olympics in 2022, you wanted to talk about wrestling, didn't you? I did. So you get to talk about cricket all the time in this podcast. I don't get to talk about pro wrestling nowhere, anywhere near enough. So. That is true. However, I'm pretty sure I can get cricket into this episode. Oh, I'm almost certain you can. And, and this is one of the few instances where I won't roll my eyes because it will be legitimate because we are talking about sports or in the case of pro wrestling, sports entertainment. Um, so it all it, it all makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially, when we were kind of like discussing the idea of doing something about sports washing, I, 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 I suggested it because um, WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, um, has recently um, announced that it is going up for sale. If you want to raise the money for not enough champagne to own WWE, the Patreon link is. <laughs> I don't quite think we can cover the six billion market cap um, needed to buy uh, <laughs> to buy WWE. Not with that uh, sort of negative talking <laughs> the podcast down attitude. We can't. But yeah, so WWE is is, is up for sale. Seemingly within about forty eight hours of that announcement happening. Rumors went uh, went through Twitter that the uh, that WWE had been sold incredibly quickly, um, which obviously was never going to be accurate because you don't complete a six billion dollar deal in in forty eight hours. It was never going to be accurate. But the room, oh, yes, I bet Boris Johnson and the Lord Frost could though. <laughs> the rumor was that the Saudi Arabian uh, government. Um, via the um, investment, the Saudi Arabian Investment Fund was was the one that had bought WWE. Now, on the face of it, that seems like a, a what? That's a bit random um, as a potential rumor base. But WWE has a, uh, a kind of like a long-standing at this point a relationship with the Saudi Arabian government, where they go over to Saudi Arabia and put on pay-per-views or premium live events, as they're now known. Um, so these are the big shows where you have all of your championship matches and, and things like that. These happen once, maybe twice a year. And they, they head over to uh, Saudi Arabia, put on some shows, um, and they get paid an absolute fortune. 
um uh, to 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 do it like some of the wrestlers that are some of some of the wrestlers that are being pulled out of retirement or some of the wrestlers that are just actually appearing on the shows um are being paid half a million to a million dollars for a single match and how long does a single match last anywhere between i mean pay-per-view like that normally averages about 15 minutes to half an hour um but they can be go up to an hour to or longer depending on on the match and the match type and and and, and all kinds of things so quite a good hourly rate then 100% yeah that that basically the if WWE is prepared to be spending that amount of money just on the talent to go there never mind the costs of getting people there never mind the uh the cost of running the show or whatever just purely on getting their wrestlers there and basically increasing the rates for everybody that attends them uh, those shows and, and performs they must be making some serious serious cash off the back end um each show must be raking in probably tens tens of millions of pounds in revenue for them in, in some capacity, um, which is an insane amount to be, to be brought in. I mean, the, the big thing in, in pro wrestling is WrestleMania, which happens every year around April. Um, like that normally is the biggest wrestling show of the year. And in terms of both people turning up for it and in terms of revenue generated, these Saudi Arabian shows are supposed to equal, if not exceed some of those, some of the more recent WrestleManias. It is absolutely huge amount of money, and it's all being done from the uh, uh, from the Saudi Arabian perspective to sports wash uh, and try and improve their image. Because the first show that WWE did was a show called Crown Jewel um, from the beautiful city of Riyadh, as the WWE commentators consistently said every time they were pushing it. As part of this show, they had John Cena come out. John Cena, who is one of the biggest wrestling stars in the world and also now really uh, big in in Hollywood, um, currently starring in The Peacemaker uh, TV series and films. Um, If they had him come out and basically cut a promo in the middle of the ring during the show, um, doing a, thank you very much for having us. Aren't all of the hotels here in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia so absolutely lovely? All of you people here are absolutely amazing and so friendly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Cringe-inducing level of sucking up, which uh, was, was clearly being done to make a point about how wonderful Saudi Arabia is in a purest sports sports watching sense. I saw how Matt Hancock was trying to treat Rishi Sunak once he was Prime Minister. I can't imagine it was more cringe-inducing than that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, John Cena just ha- does have form on this, though. He did also have was forced to apologise to China for saying uh, well, the Tibet was its own, uh, its own country. <laughs> Pro wrestling and international politics weirdly interact. It's, it's so bizarre, but also I'm here for it. This is just like the latest kind of like example of, you know, a huge company being used by Saudi Arabia in this case. But but you, you listed out a whole host of countries that have basically adopted this approach of trying to legitimize themselves in some form based around hosting sporting events or being engaged in sports in some capacity. And it really does feel like this is something that just seems to be happening more and more 
commonly. I mean, just with Saudi Arabia alone, you've got their relationship with WWE, the fact that they're rumoured to be one of the potential buyers for WWE. Saudi Arabia owns, I think it's LIV Golf, which I think you kind of alluded to um, uh, earlier. Um, and they've, they've got a whole host of other things. I mean, I, I ended up going down a rabbit hole of um, trying to look at what actually Saudi Arabia has like investments in. And if you were genuinely trying to avoid supporting Saudi the Saudi Arabian government by not, you know, purchasing things that they have investments in, good luck. You, I don't think you can do it. It's it, absolutely mental. If I can take the role of the person who is the sports fan listener, and hello to the one of you out there who is currently shouting Newcastle United, then I will say the Saudi government also does own Newcastle United. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it's not a Newcastle isn't the only major football club owned uh, by by a government. So Paris Saint Germain are owned by the Qatari government, uh, also famously uh, hosting the World Cup that we mentioned as well. <clears throat> There's a few views on why sports washing seems to be happening, uh, which as as this podcast's premier marketer, I just wanted to pick your brains on for a second. So the the view seems to be that essentially the reason you pick sport as opposed to any other leisure activity seems to be because sports are quite good marketing because it's very few events where everyone's watching it at once. So it's a big collective endeavor. And the other reason seems to be that essentially sport has an established fan base. So the reason why I suppose buying Newcastle seems to work, but say the golf doesn't seem to have got off the ground is I suppose because Newcastle is a football club with a base of fans in Newcastle who are going to support the team come what may. That's certainly what the there's not kind of conversation by uh Aguero Elisa Rep Manoli, who seems to suggest that one of the reasons why sports washing seems to work is because the fans stay loyal. You don't tend to get a lot of fan boycotts off the back of dodgy governments investing. Yeah, no, I'm uh, absolutely, yeah, you're you're 100% correct with both of those. I mean, just to put this into a bit of um, kind of wider perspective, that first point you made about kind of it's one of the like sports in particular, one of the few areas where everybody's paying attention to it. Currently, at the moment, um, in the United States, the only real thing that is generating actual eyeballs on TV, you know, the, the only thing that people are actually turning on the television to watch properly live is sporting events it's one of the reasons why wwe is up for sale now compared to any other time is because this is like the peak of when live sports programming or live event programming uh, has got its most potential value because uh, in the us as in the uk as well fewer and fewer people are paying for things paying for cable television or things like sky and things like that they're they're cutting off that they're not necessarily watching live tv they're watching streaming services they're kind of watching catch-up things like on iplayer or or more four and things like that which means you need to pay big money to get the things that people are going to engage with like and watch live and that is as you say like sports one of the other reasons they're sort of positing this this sports washing is because essentially it changes the conversation rather than so say with a golf tournament, the live golf tournament, you end up talking about golf and the whys and wherefores of players playing in golf and the coverage and the boycotts of it rather than Saudi Arabia's atrocious human rights record. 
Absolutely, 100%. I mean, a massive, massive example of this, WWE hosted uh, one of their shows, Crown Jewel, um, not that long after the Jamal Khashoggi murder. Um, and like there was all kinds of calls for WWE not to run the show. Contractually, they're kind of forced to do it, um, but they probably could have found a way out of it if, they, if they'd wanted to. And suddenly the conversation was not about Jamal Khashoggi, among, at least in, amongst like wrestling fans, broadly speaking, it was about WWE and whether or not they were right to do it. But the actual issue that had caused the discussion to, to begin with vanish. And it just became yet another thing for like the internet wrestling community to just yell at WWE about. So even with very hot button issues and topics that are like literally international headline news, it's it can be very effective, yeah, even without doing something highly specific and just riding the the wave of having already signed a contract i think what the live go also shows is it's it's the evolution of sports washing from other concepts like greenwashing so greenwashing is sort of a slightly different term there's a really interesting article on the lse blog about this but there's this definite shift especially on the right uh trying to look at companies who are trying to have a bit of a social conscience there's an interesting open democracy article and they quote mckinsey those famous woke capitalists in the report that says the generation Z, their main spur to consumption is the search for truth in a personal and commanding form and therefore generation Z want to buy products that align with their values so i suppose it's very much and this, I think, is where it is genuinely woke. And we'll, we'll talk to some very dodgy examples of woke. But I, I suppose that that feeling that the person is political, which, say, 10 or 15 years ago, when you read intellectuals on the left that I'm massive fans of, like Tony Jutt, who were very sceptical of that notion, essentially the thinking that if, if the person is political, then nothing's political. And that is very not the case, I think, with a newer generation, if, if we're going to call them woke, where essentially, actually, the personal is political and and very much embraced. Uh, to, to remember with this is that that em- embracing of the personal being political isn't just a case of, oh, it's just Gen Z doing their thing. Um, it's, it's, it's wider than that. I've been to, um, like, events um that have been you know organized by the Birmingham Chamber of Commerce um where they've been talking about corporate social responsibility and and, and looking into into those sorts of thing, areas and like when they're, they're, they're quoting facts figures and reports um which are basically saying that everybody whether it's due to a legal requirement or just a general kind of like movement in terms of how people are buying products and services of all sorts is looking for more sustainability in what they do. They're looking, there's more of awareness around obviously things like environmental impacts and, uh, and, and, other, and other things like that. So you're, you have a situation where, yeah, Gen Z are like the, almost like the, the the peak of that in that they are obviously like the latest generation, the, the youngest generation, they're going to be the ones that shape the market over the next God knows how many decades in the exact same way that millennials have shaped the market and killed off the diamond industry and paper towels and, 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 and everything else we've been blamed for. 
We've killed off um, paper towels. Yeah, apparently. Um, there was a apparently we buy less paper towels than any other generation. I that probably have thing. never bought a paper towel. Who knows? It's it's bizarre. Um, but yeah, like th- there was a, at least a few years ago a, a trend of articles whenever something was was struggling, trying to link it into what are millennials doing to this? Are they buying this? And nine times out of the ten, we weren't because you know we can't afford to buy like uh, you know diamonds particularly regularly or or, or whatever um i'm, so too, I, I'm what... too busy buying smashed avocados to possibly oh, buy diamonds a- absolutely yeah you know we've got we've got to uh, we've got to make our avocado toast every day but yeah so so gen z are going to become the new the new millennials in that sense and they're going to become the absolute brunt of kind of like reactionary economic nonsense but equally Unlike millennials, where most of the millennial stuff is just like, we can't afford it. It's just not actually worked. We can't do this. Um, theirs is actually going to be much more, as you say, aligned to their values. And it's going to be about them not doing it because they don't want to. And it's going to be an active choice on their part from the looks of it, which has a much bigger, potentially drastic effect in terms of shaping the market, in terms of how businesses respond to it. Because if they don't respond to it, well, then you're going to lose business and potentially go out of business. Um, if you do, well, congratulations, you're uh, a minimum greenwashing or, or whatever yourself, or, or it's got to be a better word for a more wider washing approach, but, you know, values washing? Yeah, let's use that. I don't know. I think that's a bit too simplistic a dichotomy actually mm. yeah no it probably is but um but yeah businesses either need to, to actually take it seriously um in which case good that's the market in action uh, in which case we through through the market economy we can actually make some small improvements to the world who freaking ray um but or, again well that is that is in itself a contested statement isn't it and that's well, absolutely I think, part this, of the this, point this comes part. This com- becomes the, the 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 alternative is that they don't take it seriously at all, and it's just a a thin veneer, a wash of of whatever it is they're trying to to make themselves appear like. But ultimately, I suspect that won't function very well for them because in a day in a day and age where data is so freely available, it will become very well known which ones are actually taking it seriously and which ones aren't, and that will then influence those purchasing decisions over the uh, over the medium term because the issue is not necessarily that the that gen z don't buy things immediately it's more the fact that as they progress their careers and get into jobs and things they then bring those values into the workplace and then apply those values to their purchasing decisions across everything i don't think it's about data i think it's more about vibes so the stuff you talked about the birmingham chamber of commerce i think goes to the heart of the question which is what is the point of a business so is the point of a business as Milton Freeman suggested only to make a profit for its shareholders or is does it have a wider social good and a wider response wider social responsibility and obviously we are both sort of nominally on the left and so we'd naturally go with the business do have a social responsibility even you Steve as a raging orange book of capitalist <laughs> not these days but yeah would sort of agree with some of that obscure Birmingham reference local Morrisons a 15 minute walk from my house in South Birmingham has a community champion 
and they will work with local charities and voluntary organizations on all sorts of projects. So Mondelez took over Cadbury's and obviously Cadbury's with a Quaker background, massive, massive social responsibility. And so Mondelez have a community champion working on community projects too. So it is something that businesses, I think, are aware of, at least in the sort of local. I was struck by the example of Hellman's. So I'm going to do this in the reverse order to how I plan to talk about them. But we sort of, we've, you've gone straight for the naked capitalism already, typically. So the chief executive of Hellman's Mayonnaise said that Hellman's Mayonnaise needed a purpose. And its purpose was going to be to fight against food waste. And he, there's a picture of him on Twitter signing a thing in a big purple, you know, to show that. And one investor said that they clearly lost the plot. Very words. Essentially because, in their view, they were obsessed with publicity displaying sustainability credentials at the expense of focusing on the fundamentals of the business. And from his point of view, the fundamentals of Hellman's mayonnaise was Hellman's mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Right. On salads or sandwiches or slathered over kebabs. I don't know. Um, But I think there's a difference between, say, I, I mean, that that feels very, very surface level. So something that I think strikes me with a lot of businesses trying to, as you say, tap into that Generation Z, we want businesses that align with their values is, it's the authenticity that's really, really important. Because I feel like it's it, it, this is why it's about vibes. People can smell those sort of bull droppings from miles away. Quite a good, I think, example of that I don't expect you to remember it. There was a Pepsi advert in 2017 that had Kendall Jenner in it. And this is at the height of the Black Lives Matter protests. I really remember this, I think. Taking place. Right, so there is a Black Lives Matter protest and there's a line of policemen to take on the protesters. And Kendall Jenner manages to soothe the tensions between the protesters and the police by giving the police some Pepsi. And this advert was quickly pulled because everyone laughed they either laughed they made memes mocking it martin luther king's daughter said if only daddy had understood the power of pepsi it, it was mocked mercilessly and this the thing is why it's the authenticity thing it's yeah. it's it, it's you can't just have very very slick and it was a very slick very well-made advert but i suppose it's having what been re-watching Mad Men where essentially it's you're trying so advertising i suppose in the 60s is you're trying to differentiate between here i go trying to mansplain marketing to you but i suppose it's you've got lots of similar products and so you try and differentiate them using vibes hence you you don't car adverts don't even really tell you anything about the car anymore they just have a car and a cliff and maybe an attractive person driving it and it'll say something like sustainability or anti-disestablishmentarianism and that'll be the car advert but that doesn't really work when you're trying to appropriate movements like black lives matter it's it's crass at best. Yeah, downright offensive at worst, depending on how they they go about it. Like, like the vibes, for lack of a better term, definitely is going to be a major part of how um, you know the the, the 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 market gets judged in, in the future. Which is not a sentence I thought I'd ever say, but here we are. Um, the but I think like just to go back to what I was talking about, like those vibes get past digitally and it is all about kind of like like how many tiktoks 
get code uh, get get produced and like the information shared about a dodgy like campaign and things. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of data and information transfer, right. rather than rather okay. than I've released 36 million pound kilos of CO2 gas or or, or whatever. So yeah. that will obviously form part of that debate and, and online just naturally anyway. But yeah, it did perhaps data data or, or wasn't the best way to put it. But it's like it's like the capacity. Well, like the internet is now the public sphere. Like that is where debate happens. Um, it happens in the form of one minute thirty videos on 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 TikTok and YouTube Shorts and maybe a half hour videos on on YouTube proper and Twitter threads. But it, but it happens in a in a in a in a way that's not that's entirely new. Even even for for us in our generation, we don't use the internet in the same way as. Gen Z does, and that's a, a massive shift, and it's going to have a massive impact on the market. I mean, this is the most depressing conversation I've had in a podcast in a while. Then, but yes, I, <laughs> I, I see that. Now, I, I thought you meant data, as in it's going to be a big work spreadsheet somewhere or something. With a... I mean, I, don't get me wrong; I think that will exist as well. Um, but I think it's the sort of thing that that will end up kind of building up over over time mm. as a result of all the things that you're talking about. I mean, that's so. the opposite of a Twitter thread and a TikTok video. It's very true. It, it, it is. But, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like a Kinsey report. <laughs> and it also is, it feels like there is a massive difference, say, between companies like Hellman's, which are evil capitalist multinationals trying to squeeze as much profit as they can from their mayonnaise. Don't actually squeeze mayonnaise, listeners. It's very messy. Um, whereas well, you, can squeeze, you can squeeze mayonnaise as long as it comes in a squeezy bottle. Well, She's only coming in glass jars, but um, but say the body shop and Ben and Jerry's aren't just talking about it. So I think actually I think body shop and Ben and Jerry's are a couple of decent examples. So both are both were founded as self consciously ethical companies in the seventies and eighties, which weren't exactly the high point of ethical capitalism. So the body shop was all about Anita Roddick wanting to sell things that weren't tested on animals. Ben and Jerry's in the 80s, which I, I didn't realise I went down a Ben and Jerry's Wikipedia rabbit hole and they had a, they set up a Ben and Jerry's foundation in the 80s and they gave to community projects and they would do things like have free scoop Sundays for the community and what have you. And obviously they are, so they're self-consciously ethical companies. And so you expect, you expect them to, I suppose, live their values in, in that sense. But both the Body Shop and Ben and Jerry's also came out critiquing the government's new policing laws, which were still, I think, banning through the Commons. And Ben and Jerry's calling them draconian, uh, which obviously on the right you had a lot of people saying, "Why is an American ice cream manufacturer talking about policing laws in the UK?" Which I suppose is part of the beauty of the internet. Yep, absolutely, and and the reason they're doing it is because one as a company broadly speaking based on my knowledge ben and jerry's tries to live by a certain set of values and does a reasonable job of it i think um having not dived massively into their their practices or whatever they at least do a very good job of uh, appearing like they do you mean (laughs) you haven't seen any negative scoops about them (sighs) that's a terrible pun I hate it already. But Ben and Jerry's in particular is the sort of company that will actively go and start trying to 
market to Gen Z because they just reckon they'll be more in line with what they think anyway, and they'll happily forgo, you know, you know, baby boomer generation or Gen X or whatever because they they'd rather market to this other group. Maybe we need some sort of source on Ben Ben and Jerry's to really work out what's going on there. I'm regretting suggesting this episode now. We could go fishing for information. <laughs> that, that, that only works if you're very aware of Ben and Jerry's food flavours. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Come on, if I've heard of it. <laughs> that I don't have a segue. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Nike had an advert with Colin Kaepernick and yeah. uh, he's the chap who took the knee and made everyone very unhappy, um, especially Donald Trump. Um, and actually, so you had um, Stephen Sister, we call this art, this 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 episode, uh, Go Woke, Go Broke. Uh, and there were boycotts of Nike by some of those anti-woke people they have now. Mm-hmm. However, online sales went up. Because like the, the percentage of people that actually care about like the the the, the wokeness, quote unquote, as a brand of a brand are normally the sorts of people that will respond well to it being being woke rather than the opposite. So whilst there might be a lot of right wingers who complain about things and think that you can that they can force a, a company to uh, go broke if they do indeed go woke and start, you know, making statements and things that aren't related to their products, et cetera, et cetera, or, or, or whatever. Um, the reality is the people that are a lot of the people that are making those complaints aren't buying the product to begin with. So with Nike, for instance, how many bluntly of their core core audience, their core customers are like on the right in that regards, the the vast majority of them aren't, they're either not going to care or they're going to actually like what they've done. And as you say, they're going to go, well, let's, let's stick two fingers up to the, uh, 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 to, to, to the fascists online in some capacity. Maybe we should end with this because obviously we like to get out of our filter bubble uh, being as we are massive anti-capitalist woke lefties. And, uh, and therefore, fa- I found an article on bluestateconservative.com, which is not a site I would generally go to very often. Fasc- I'm not going to link it in the show notes, listeners. I'm sorry. You're gonna, you're gonna, you find it using your neighborhood search engine. It's a fascinating article, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a list of businesses. I'll give them that. I wouldn't necessarily say they're a list of woke businesses. In like most of them are just here's a load of things that have done some stuff to piss off the right wing in America relatively recently. So a lot of them are quite right wing talking points. So they don't like Bank of America because it gave money to Black Lives Matter, uh, which therefore means it hates America because Black Lives Matter, as you will recall, listeners is a radical Marxist movement. Netflix is on there because it produced the film Cuties, which it says sexualizes children. Now, I don't know if that's true. I was scared to Google the film and I wasn't going to click on the link they linked to because it's Glenn, Ble- Glenn Beck's blog. But we think it's about child beauty pageants, don't we? It's a sort yeah. of documentary. Yeah. And again, child beauty pageants, not very woke. No. Not at all. So the two I found fascinating in that you see the sort of attitude to, to China. So so Disney's woke because Mulan, it filmed Mulan in Xinjiang where the concentration camps are. Um, and also Africa, African-Americans 
were apparently removed from posters of films. And actually, removing African Americans from posters is maybe the least woke thing you could <laughs> yeah, do. You really can, yeah. Um, but actually, criticizing that again, concentration camps also are not woke, no matter what Peter Hitchens tells you. No, one hundred percent. Again, it's, it's absolutely right to be talking about the Uyghurs and the atrocities in Xinjiang. Uh, similarly, like Apple is woke because uh, it's, it talks about the Chinese factories there being hell holes. Yeah, well, that's not Naomi Klein could have said that twenty years ago. Like that's not sweatshops yeah, aren't woke either. Yeah, it, 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 these are very much things that the Wokarate uh, like to like to complain about, and quite rightly so, because they're not nice things and, and they shouldn't exist. Like, like the the left were very critical of Disney with the live action Milan remake. One because of the um, because of where it was being filmed and such like that, but also just the fact that the the lead actress was being there wasn't willing to you know say anything negative about about the Chinese government uh in any in any form and which so like she got a lot of stick for that on online and and then a lot of the discourse on the film to, to the extent where a load of people went well I'm just not gonna watch it it's refusing to criticize the government now something that we need to add to the list of things being woke apparently because there is, like, uh, there is a, as I said, with a sort of personal is political discussion. There is a, there is a conversation to be had about what is or is not woke, but I, I just, I, I found it a, re- I found it a really fascinating article. I'm afraid you're going to have to find it yourself, listeners. But just that I don't like these companies anymore, and this equation of woke with anti-American and be pro-American being anti-China now. It's a really interesting insight into the American right at the moment. Yeah, it really is. And 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 interestingly, just because of the way that we have like a conveyor belt of American politics into British politics, which cuts on on both sides, both the left wing and the the right wing, um, just because we consume so much of American news, media and, and, and all the bits and pieces like this stuff's kind of coming over here as well. Like maybe not to the same extent, but it is it is there. You can you can see it in, in in actions that the government under Johnson at least was was trying to do with um you know with with, with the privatization of Channel Four and, and things like that, which was largely just a reaction to the fact that Channel Four was very critical of the government because the government was crap um, and has no real requirement in the same way that the BBC does to be quite as you know balanced quote unquote like so i'm imagining we'll see more and more in this as time goes on um in in the uk um at least from from the right but i don't but i think they'll do it but it won't it's not going to land as well as it does in 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 the us but they'll try it anyway and they'll use it as whatever their as the latest like dead cat thing to try and generate some form of anger um especially mm. if they lose the next election as, as it looks likely at the moment i i'd agree with that and i'd also say that i, I think you're also right that we're, we're going to see more companies uh, trying to appeal to consumers by acting out their values yeah. 
Some will do it clumsily, some will not. But even I think from a, a from a just the fact you've got supermarkets with community champions, I think it's something that will happen more and more. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And it's it's the actually it's the interaction of the memes with the adverts, which I think is the most interesting. Yeah. So to bring this kind of background to, to the professional wrestling thing again, a few years ago, Stephanie McMahon, who's Vince McMahon's daughter, one of the, uh, until recently, head honchos in WWE, she got a lot of stick from wrestling fans for uh, tweeting or retweeting, as it actually was, somebody online on Twitter, which she says that, um, I can't remember the exact wording, but the summary is basically the best marketing you can do is charity and that is very much going to be is very much the motto of a lot of corporations now so like you can invest in advertising this that and the other whatever but the best thing that you can do to actually get people to pay attention to you is do something good for people because that's what people actually respond to because they think you're then acting out like either on your values or your difference to all the other companies and that I feel is like where we probably are going to go and we are going to be moving forward quite, quite, quite quickly. Um, a bit broader than just charity being the best marketing, but values being the thing that you are pushing with your marketing is certainly where we're heading. Yes, I think that's true. But I suppose it's also about the authenticity of it. So there will be certain companies who talk about how they're all one big family. And then as soon as you try and start a union, like no. So as I say, authenticity really matters, but um, but everybody will be trying it. And what sticks and what works will be the authentic. And then everybody else will have to learn, adapt or die as a business. Yeah, maybe you could, you know, give what you're going to spend on charity, pay your workers a living wage, maybe. Radical thoughts. Can I say? Um, well, on that on that radical note, if you want to hear even more radical proposals than that, you could always <laughs> listen to us on Patreon, couldn't you, Steve? Yeah, you can head over to patreon.com slash not enough champagne. Uh, for a couple of quid every month, you can gain access to unique episodes, um, like extended episodes, um, where we put up stuff that's maybe not completely unedited, um, but like just rambling be, nonsense basically yeah there will be uh elements of discussion that get cut out from the from the things that go out on the broader pro, uh, podcast feed to try and keep the main episodes that little bit more you know tighter um but if so if you do want to hear more from us you can head over there and uh, you know get to listen to us ramble as much as you like i'm gonna try and leave the puns in the main episode though i think they uh, deserve a light of day this, this is why i should take over editing uh no no i shouldn't <laughs> our facebook page is facebook.com forward slash not no champagne our twitter handle is at no champagne pod james cram designer logo you can follow him on twitter at james cram and dave depper composed our theme tune plucky good times i'm at paperback rioter i'm at acoustic radical happy plotting happy plotting